0: Our special speaker this morning is Bishop Monde Muyambo, uh, who has preached in this church before and who has sang here with uh, the uh, Africa University Choir on a couple of occasions. So he's familiar with this room and with this space and with this congregation. He is the resident bishop of North Katanga area that includes North Katanga, uh, Tengenka, and also Tanzania conferences, he, pa- he is the bishop of over 2,000 congregations in the Congo Central Conference of the United Methodist Church. Let's just compare that to the North Texas Conference. We have uh, over 300 congregations in the North Texas Conference. So Bishop Muyambo has a big job, a, a hard job at times, but he is a blessing to his people. Bishop Monde, as I've known him for years, even before he was a bishop, he was Monday to me. We share some things in common that I'll mention in a minute. But he was an executive of the General Board of Global Ministries when he was elected on the fourth ballot during the Congo Central Conference in 2017. He's the first graduate of Africa University to be elected a bishop, and he is the youngest Episcopal leader in the Central Conference. Bishop Mayombo holds a bachelor's uh, department of theology and a master's degree from Africa University as well as a master's degree in theology and a doctor of ministry degree from the great St. Paul School of Theology in Kansas City. That's what we hold in common, in case you didn't know. But after working as president of Uh, Kamina Methodist University, he served as the Executive Secretary of Africa at the General Board of Global Ministries and has subsequently promoted to Assistant General Secretary in Missions and Evangelism Department in the General Board of Global Ministries. He is now chairing the chair-elect of the Connectional Table, which is one of the most important positions in the church right now. He is married to Blandine, and they have four children uh, she too is a, an alum of Africa University. We are so very blessed to have um, uh, Bishop Monde Muyambo with us today, and I want us to give him a very warm, mostly Texan welcome this morning. Let's give him a hand. Good morning.
1: morning. Jambo. Manguanane. <laughs> Wow, that was such an introduction. I, I thought that I would be the next coach of the Cowboys. Uh, by the way, it's also exciting because uh, it's a, an exciting time to be in Dallas because the Mavericks are doing so well. And uh, I, I, I love that team, by the way. So I, I made it another T-shirt for them. Friends, I, I just want to express my gratitude to uh, Dr. Copeland and Tammy, and the leadership for allowing me to uh, be in this space and share the word of God. To be honest, this morning I've been praying, I say, God, I, you know, I, English can be my fifth language. Uh, until I came to Texas, I say, God, I need a special anointing so that I can speak Texan. So I'm going to try and, uh, you know, just uh, give me an A or a C. Good morning, you all. (laughs) I'm blessed to uh, uh, be uh, with my leaders. I want to introduce them quickly. I have Reverend Mutuale. He's going to stand up. He's from the Tanzania Annual Conference. He's the leader of the church there. He's also a global ministry's missionaries in church planting. He's the person who started the church in Tanzania. I also have Reverend Emmanuel Irung, he's uh, my special assistant for special project and initiatives. I have uh, uh, Professor Ampichi, he's uh, an ethics and theology professor at one of our seminary. And I want the ladies to also be comfortable because we also have Reverend Dr. Betty, who is our first female clergy who has a doctorate in our conference. Uh, She cannot be with us this morning because she has a fever. You know, the, the cold here in America is so difficult for us. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you, God, my rock, my strength, my sustainer, and my redeemer. Amen. Friend, this morning, uh, I will try to be short. And if I go over, you are free to make a motion and stop me from preaching. But I want us to reflect on this subject God's ever-expanding embrace. On this day of epiphany, a Christian feast day that celebrates the revelation of God incarnate at Jesus Christ in Western Christianity. It is the feast that commemorates principally the visit of the Magi to the Christ child and there's Jesus' physical manifestation to the Gentiles. I am privileged to be part of your sermon series on the major theme entitled United We Love. I would like to reflect on the sub that I'm submitting to you this morning. Once again, God's ever-expanding embrace. You will be surprised that... Uh, Many years ago in 2004 I had a chance to first visit this church and I came in as a young man, not really young, probably with thousands of words of English in my mouth and I processed in with the Africa University Choir, your Africa University Choir that you built, you supported, and you continue to do through your mission giving. How did it happen? A young boy from the Congo who once did not have any means to go to school, who did not have any food at the table. It was God's expanding embrace that was able to pull me from that area and say, listen, There are people called United Methodists who can send you to school. You did send me to school. I graduated, and I even came here to share the ministry and worship with you. Friends, I'm not ashamed. I always call myself a product of mission. My degrees, my life... My family, my community, all of us are the product of mission. Friends, the story of the Magi is a very unique story. It is a story that you only find in the Gospel of Matthew. You do not find it anywhere else. Matthew must have collected from his own source. And I tried to do my little research. A Magi is a very difficult word to translate. It is suggested that the Magi were originally from the Median tribe. They were part of the empire of the Persians. Listen to this. At some point, they attempted to overthrow the Persians. In other words, they tried to do a coup and be in power, but they failed. By the time they failed, they had a chance to interact with the Jewish exilic community in Babylonia. They learned about science, they learned about astrology, and they may have come up with this verse that we read in Numbers 24, 17, which says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A specter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Seth. I can assume that by that time, they were in the research business of trying to follow this star that they read about in the Hebrew Bible. It is at this point that they began to study the stars and hoping that they will encounter Christ one day. Let us analyze a little bit the mindset of the Magi. After failing to conquer the Persian power, the Magi ceased to have any ambitions to power or prestige. They became the tribe of the priests. They became in Persia almost exactly as the Levites were in Israel. They became teachers, instructors of the Persian kings. No sacrifice could have been offered unless a Magi was present. They became men and women of holiness and wisdom. Friends, let me define a little bit the role of a priest, the role of a preacher, the role of a bishop. The function of a priest is to pave the way to God. The Latin word for a priest is called pontifex. In other words, it's a bridge builder. When I'm consecrated as a bishop or I'm ordained as a pastor, my role is to be a bridge builder. I will call this person a catalyst of relationships. Someone who works for unity. Someone who will ensure that love binds that unity. He or she will build bridges across cultures, religions, races social classes, such attributes allow space for God's embrace and reaching out to people and places we cannot imagine. Listen to this. The magi did not come looking for Christ through preaching, liturgy, sacraments, a welcoming congregation, and so forth. They came from another religion. They came seeking Christ after studying the night skies. They came practicing another religion. Regardless of their origins, God embraced them and led them to see Christ the newborn King. Friends, let me remind you that as African our ancestors practiced what we call African traditional religion. While some perceive African religion as paganism or animism, God embraced Africans and presented himself to the Africans as the supreme ancestor. John Beatty, an African theologian, argues that Africans are religious by nature. They knew Christ even before the missionaries came. I've always told my fellow Africans, and I'm glad they are here, that we do not need somebody to put us in a room and remind us that we are Christians. We do not need to be put in a retreat camp to be told about our identity. God has already embraced us even through our African traditional religion. The great Archbishop Desmond Tutu says that African traditional religion has given the gift of Ubuntu, the gift of community, that sense of human dignity, welcoming and community, that sense of including everyone in God's kingdom. That sense of recognizing every human being. That's why Desmond Tutu and other people led black South Africans in the liberation movement from apartheid regime in South Africa. My fellow Africans who are here and around the world, no one can teach us about being welcoming congregation because it is already part of our DNA. The Ubuntu is already part of our DNA, and we have no choice than to embrace everybody. Brothers and sisters, as God's ever-expanding embrace is manifested through the birth of the Christ, the empire is shaken. As Christ is born, the powers of the world are freaking out. And this character seemed to be the opposite of the Magi. It is the character of King Herod. It is not seeking God's ever-expanding embrace. It is rather threatened by it. It is not comfortable to hear about the birth of another king in Israel. Although King Herod was a great builder and someone who the Roman trusted, he was almost insanely suspicious. And if he suspected anybody as a rival to his power, that person will be promptly eliminated. He murdered his wife, his mother-in-law, his oldest son, and other two sons. Can you imagine that kind of person? Herod is threatened by the birth of the newborn king. August, Augustus, the Roman Empire, say it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son because he was so cruel. At the center of King Herod's character was power and control. Brothers and sisters, power and control are toxic to our relationships. Power and control are toxic to our families, to our community. Power and control are toxic to our church community. They create instability, dysfunction in our family, in our community, and our church. For us to be able to experience God's ever-expanding embrace and love in unity, we must empower one another. The more we concentrate power on few individuals, we open opportunities for oppression and suffering. Christ gives us a good example by showing his kindness, his kenosis, his humility through emptying himself and empowering all of us. Paul argues in Philippians 2, 1-11, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ and if any comfort from his love, if any come sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to be interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. As United Methodists, we must acknowledge today that our polity has become dysfunctional today. Our legislative process only gives power to the majority. God's ever-expanding embrace is challenging us to create systems and polity where the voices of the minority, people of color, the poor, the sick, people of other sexual orientation, the marginalized, so that they can have the voice. We must shift to a system and polity that ensure that everyone feels part of the community and embraced by God. Let me almost go to the end of my sermon by looking at the three reactions that arose after the birth of Christ. King Herod, how did he react it? It was hatred and hostility. Christ was seen as somebody who came to interfere in his power, in his kingdom, in his influence. Christ appeared as somebody who came to take his place, his power, and the answer of Herod was to kill, to destroy the newborn king. The second reaction came from the chief priests and scribes. The chief priests and the scribes, the bishops, The scholars, theologians, pastors, how did they react to the birth of Christ? Surprisingly, they had a reaction of indifference. They were so engrossed in their temple ritual. They were so engrossed in their legal discussions. They were so engrossed in their legislations, petitions. They completely disregarded Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we cannot be a church that is only engrossed in legislation and petition. We must instead engage in mission and be the drivers of God's ever-expanding embrace. What about caring for the hungry, the immigrant, the marginalized, the orphans, the poor, the oppressed? My fellow Africans, where is our energy today? My fellow Methodists, where is our energy today? Are we only focusing on legislations that are punishing other people or are we accompanying God in his embrace work of mission? The last reaction. There was a reaction of the wise men and women. The reaction of adoring the desire to lay at the feet of Jesus Christ and present him the noble gift. What kind of gift? The gift of gold to crown him as a king. The gift of frankincense as a gift of a priest. And the gift of men for one is to die. People who came from another religion prophesy already about Christ being elevated to the position of king but they also prophesy about Christ dying on the cross as a way of explaining God's embrace. Friends, I would like to conclude my sermon by a story. I was living in Zimbabwe as an Africa university student by the time of a major crisis, economic crisis, 2007. I go back home, my wife tells me, that uh, I have, uh, I see new people in my home and I ask, who are these people? They say, well, they are Congolese refugees who came here. They were told that uh, they needed surgery at the hospital, but they told them that there is a pastor opposite the hospital, it's from your country. You can go there and wait for your surgery. So I told my wife, how can you welcome people we don't know? even if they are countrymen, My wife said, but I have no choice. They had their surgery, they went back to the camp, and then after a month, another couple came from Congo, they were refugees. And I asked my wife, what's going on here? She said, okay, in the refugee camp, they were told that uh, if you go to the hospital, and if they ask you to wait, We now have a guest house, you go to Pastor's Monday's house. (laughs) (laughs) And they stay with us for two weeks. They went back to the camp, and after a month, two other ladies came. And I came back from school, and my wife told me the same story. And as I go to school, I'm confronted by a friend. He said, but we hear that your house has become a refugee camp. (laughs) And he said, you know, by welcoming strangers, they may bring good luck to you. And I'm sharing you with this because in our house, we've had death. We lost our first child who died from malaria. And uh, they were telling me how careless I was by welcoming strangers, and this is how I was experiencing Bad luck in my family. One day, we didn't have any food in our home. We looked around Mutare, there was nothing in the shelf of the supermarket. So I go to school hungry, and I'm asking myself, how are we gonna make it? We have a, we have a young child We don't have food. The whole country is in crisis. I come back home. My wife say, come and see the miracle, thank you, choir, that God has just made. So, I'm going with my wife in a hurry, and she say, she takes me to the storeroom. What do I see? I see a bag of, Cornmeal, if you're from Zimbabwe, you know what I mean. sadza, right? I see a bag of sugar. I see a bag of rice. I see a bag of uh, uh, soja beans. I see milk. I see cooking oil. I see vegetables. And I'm like, what is going on? He said, God has visited visited us. So what happens? He said, the refugees received the food supply in their camp from the Commission on Refugee. When they gathered, they said, we have to remember Pastor Mand and his house. So they put the food together and brought the food supply to our house. And it carried us for a month. Who will have thought that a stranger that we almost rejected. God will use those strangers to embrace his love and bring us food to the table. It is only God. It is only God. So this time, friends, I'm going to disturb you. I'm just going to ask you as I conclude. Look at your neighbor. Just give him an embrace and say, God ever-expanding embrace. Give him a piece of Christ. Give him a piece of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.